0: Uh, we've been looking the last few weeks at God's call on our lives to serve. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, we looked at how God puts us together in His church and and how He builds us together, how He gives us gifts to serve, and how He uses those gifts to strengthen the whole body. Last week, we looked at how God created each one of us. Uh, He created us uh, as His masterpieces to do works of service that He prepared for us to do. And what we've seen over those two messages is that in every way imaginable, God has prepared us and equipped us to serve. And then today's Mother's Day. And uh, it's a reminder that for so many of us, it was our mothers that taught us to serve. Uh, More than just lessons on playing fair and sharing and being nice. It was what they modeled us. Through their love, through their own sacrifices, our mothers taught us how to serve. This past week, Kevin Durant, who's a four-time uh, NBA scoring champion, this past week, he won the Most Valuable Player Award. And during his acceptance speech, Kevin Durant told who his MVP is. His MVP is his mother. And I want you to see just a portion of, uh, of his speech
1: and and last my mom I don't think you know what you did you had my brother when you were 18 years old three years later I came out We were stacked, the odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys. By the time we were 21 years old, everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our our first apartment. No, No bed, no furniture and we just all sat in in the living room and just hugged each other. Cause we, that's what we we thought we made it. And when when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups. Screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. Put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. (laughs) You the real MVP.
0: basketball player who will make millions because of his skill on the court, and yet who receives the standing ovation? It's his mother, who has given so much. He said, you made us believe, you kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table, when you didn't eat, you made sure we ate, you sacrificed for us, you're the real MVP. Kevin Durant is not just known for his skill on the court. He's also known for his faith. And in an interview he gave a few months ago, he was asked about the foundation of his faith. And he said, it comes from my family. I went to a Christian school. I was always intrigued simply about how we got here. Why do we do the things that we do? Who made us like this? And my mom always sat me down and talked to me and I have spiritual teachers that help me out. I'm not perfect at all by any means. I've got a long way to go to become closer to the Lord, but hopefully I can continue to stay on the path. I might take a few steps forward and take a couple steps back and take some steps forward, but I want to get better. I think about his mother. I think about her going hungry so that her kids could eat and i think about that scene that he took us to in their first apartment no furniture no bed no chairs nothing and there they are sitting on the floor hugging each other celebrating because they made it and i look at that and i thought what what did that teach this man what did this what did that teach this man who is going to have so much in his life and then i wonder who taught her And I also have to wonder, who sees my commitment? Who's learning from my example? Who's watching me and who's watching us? Who's watching the way that we serve? You know, mothers don't do that because they're going to get an MVP award. Although every one of you deserves an MVP award, mothers don't do that because they're going to get awards. They do it because they're mothers. And there's really probably no better example of what what Jesus calls us to as disciples than what we learn from our mothers. There's no better example of what Jesus is calling us to in in Luke chapter 22. He's not talking to mothers. He's talking to all of us about why we serve and about who he calls us to be. We're going to look at Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. If you're using those Bibles in the pew, it is page 882. And this is what Luke records for us. He says, A dispute also arose among them, that is the disciples, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. What Jesus taught his disciples here and what he continues to teach us as we serve him is that our definition of success, when we've made it, when we've arrived, our definition of success is not to be the world's definition. So often as we read through the Gospels, the disciples serve as these bad examples for us. And it it just amazes me because these guys who in the book of Acts are going to be the pillars, these guys who are going to be the leaders of the church, who are going to stand firm and stand boldly, here they are constantly making mistakes. They're constantly making the same mistakes that you and I make all the time. It just absolutely amazes me. And what, what really gets me here is just how inappropriate this discussion is at this point in the text. Just how inappropriate this is. Jesus has just shared the Passover meal with them. He's just done what we did here. He's taken the bread. He's taken the cup. And he's told them, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And he's told them that he is going to be betrayed and he is going to die. And their first discussion is, who's in charge now? (laughs) Which one of us gets to be the leader? Well, I think it ought to be me. Well, no, it needs to be me. Well, obviously it's me. You know, no, one, no one's voting for someone else. They're all wanting themselves to be leader. Who's most important? Who's going to take over? You know, Judas' betrayal was a betrayal, but this is a betrayal also. This is a betrayal of everything that he has taught them and everything he has done for them. And so Jesus takes them to the standard of the world and he says how do other people tell who's most important? How do other people recognize those who are in control? And he says, the kings of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They they exercise lordship over them. And that, that tells me about their attitude. He says, they love to be in charge. They love to have the power. And then he says in verse 26, but not so with you. that attitude has nothing to do with Christ. That attitude is not the attitude of Jesus. He says, stay away from that attitude. In fact, later, Peter, when he's writing to, to his churches, and he's writing specifically to the elders, he's writing to the leaders of the churches, what qualities are they to have? He addresses this very issue. He says in 1 Peter 5.3, he says that the elders are not to be domineering. That's the same word. They are not to be lording it over those in your charge, but instead being examples to the flock. It's not just that they exercise lordship. It's not just their attitude. It's also why are they doing it. It's it's the goals that they have. Those in authority, he says, those in authority over them are called benefactors. A benefactor was a title that was given to some rulers. You see, it wasn't just enough that you have the power. And it wasn't enough that you have the authority, that you have all the money, that you have all the wealth. That's not enough. You had to be recognized for it and for all the good things that you've done. And so they would do these nice things. They would do these things for the people and receive the title benefactor. I'm guessing they would got a, their name on a nice plaque. You know, they hung it up somewhere. And, you know, this donated because of this person. You know, they, they were called the, de, the, the benefactors. It wasn't enough that they'd be in power. They wanted to be loved also turn on the news, and almost any day, any week, you'll see some Hollywood star, some millionaire, lending their name to to some cause. And and for too many, it's just a show. It's just to prove that they're not just a pretty face, but they're actually involved, that they're in touch with the people. And and too often, the cause isn't even real. It's not even a, a real issue. And they just want to show that they're involved, that they want to show that they care, that they're wanting to, to give back. And it's easy to laugh at that and look disgusted when it's portrayed in, in such a big way in our world. But i, I got to tell you, it's, it's just as much a danger right here. It's just as much a danger that we're doing things just for the show, just to be recognized right here. There's times when I get nervous. i got to tell you, there's times when I get nervous when something's given when something is done, and I get the feeling like we have to accompany it with a press release and say, look at what these nice people did for us. Look what they did for our community. Look what they did for our church. And every now and then, the question comes up. You know, somebody will do something nice, and, and someone will ask us, well, did you thank them? <laughs> were, they, were they properly thanked? And I, don't get me wrong. I always want to thank you. I, you guys got to know I talk so good about you to everybody. I am constantly bragging on you guys. I always like to tell people stories about the wonderful things that this church does, the wonderful things that happen to this community. I am constantly bragging on you. But if that becomes the goal, that we be known for the nice things that we've done, then what have we done that's any different than these kings of the Gentiles? Jesus says, not so with you that's not to be our goal that's not to be what we are recognized for he says in verse 25 the kings of the gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors but not so with you our acts of service should never cause people to take their eyes off of jesus you look at Jesus' two criticisms here of the, the kings of the Gentiles. First of all, He says, they love to lord it over them. They, they lord it over them. Well, who is the true Lord? You guys know His name? Yeah? Jesus, right? Yeah, He's the true Lord. Did He, did he lord it over us? No. In fact, what does Philippians chapter 2 say? That He, though in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he emptied himself. He made himself human. He made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant. And that name, that title was given to him. Every knee should bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not because of the glory that he deserved, but because of the service that he did. Because of what he gave up. They love to be called benefactors. Who's our true benefactor? Who has done something for your benefit? It's Jesus. In fact, if you go over to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, Peter is speaking to a group of Gentiles, people who knew what it meant for people to be called benefactor. He knew, they knew what that title was all about. They knew what people were trying to get at when they were called benefactor, and Peter speaking to those Gentiles, he says in Acts chapter 10, verse 30, 38 God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good. He went about, it says, being a benefactor. We can't use the world's standards for greatness, whether it's in our own service or in the things we do as a church, the things we do as a community. Instead, Jesus calls us to look to his standard. And what we see is that the more we serve, the more the likeness of Jesus increases in our lives. And Jesus is very adamant here. He says, you see how the leaders of the Gentiles try to make themselves look good. And he says in verse 26, not so with you. That is not to be your standard. They are not to be your example. That is not how you need to judge your success. Instead, he points to himself. And he says in verse 26, rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater? One who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. I want to remind you that this night, this night that this discussion took place, this is also the night of the Lord's Supper, but it's also the night, as John records it, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, the job of washing feet was the job of the lowest slave in the house. The new guy had to wash the feet. The guests would come in. They're all wearing sandals. They've been walking these roads. And they've got dust and dirt and mud caked on them. You don't want them tracking it all over your house. So the lowest of the low had to wash their feet. And he couldn't say, I don't want to wash that guy's feet because his feet are kind of gross. You know, that guy's got corns or bunions or something. I'm, I'm not touching his feet. I'll wash this person's feet, but not that. No, he didn't get that he didn't get that, uh, that luxury. He had to wash all the feet. Now, if you didn't have a servant in the house, guess who got to wash the feet? It was the youngest. And he says, I want you to act like you're the youngest. It was the youngest person in the house. They had the responsibility of washing their feet. For those of you who are the youngest child, like me, think about that for a minute. That's what your job would have been in your house, unless you could afford servants. service. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, though, didn't he? He took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, and the master of the feast washed his disciples' feet. And afterwards, after he washed their feet, he said... I have given you an example. Do just as I have done for you. I think about Kevin Durant. I think about him looking to his mother as his greatest example, calling his mother his MVP. I guess it goes without saying that Kevin Durant, no matter how successful he is, he will never be half of... He will never be half the mother that his mother was. Right? No matter how hard he tries, no matter how much he does, Kevin Durant can never be half the mother that his mother was. Do you think she lays in bed at night worrying and wondering? Do you think Kevin Durant's mother lays in bed and thinks, where did I go wrong? Kevin's just not a very good mama. (laughs) She says, he's just not a very good mother. Where did I go wrong? Probably not because motherhood isn't the standard. The goal is not that Kevin Durant be a good mother. The goal is that Kevin Durant be a good servant. The goal for us as we serve Christ isn't that you end up just like me or that I end up like you, but that together we all discover what Christ is doing within us. That we all become more like Jesus, that we all grow in Christ-like character. Jesus gave us this command after washing His disciples' feet. He gave us this command, do just as I have done for you. We do not obey that command by washing each other's feet. That's not how that command is obeyed. We don't obey it by washing each other's feet. We obey it by serving. We obey it by giving up whatever right we might have at the head of the table... And taking that place of humility and that place of service. We obey it by giving up our own preferences for others. By serving not for notoriety, not to be thanked, not to get our name on a plaque, but to be like Jesus. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. It takes us back to what we saw last week in Ephesians 2.10. For we are His workmanship. We are His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When we serve, when we do the good things that He created us to do, we do that. We are, we are being those people. We get that. It's not about lowering ourselves. It's not about making ourselves less. But when we serve, we actually find out who we are. We find out what He created us for. We find out who He created us to be. We find out that we are His masterpiece, that He created us for something great, and that something great is, is service. And it takes us back to what we saw in Ephesians 4, verse 15. And it speaks of the whole church. And it says, We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. In other words, as we serve together, this body, this church, Begins to look more and more like Jesus. We grow up into Him. We start to look like Him. We start to act like Him. Jesus' standards become our standards. What is His standard? I'm among you as one who serves. What does He call us to be? He calls us to be like Him. He calls us to serve. There are a lot of ways that people serve in this church. And I am constantly amazed. And I will always brag on you for the ways that you serve. It's not just the big things. I get excited about the little things that I see you guys doing. It's the little things that just absolutely amaze me, because that tells me you've got it. It's not just something that you're doing for show. It's something that you've figured out. It's become a part of who you are when you do those little things. This past week, I, I went to visit Kay. Went over and saw Kay Fluky, and, and we're, uh, we're talking, and the mail came. And, and Kay, Kay gets her, her mail, and, and she says, did I get any lovins? And he said, yes, you got some lovins. And she got a card from someone in this church. Someone in this church sends her a card every day. Someone sends her a card every day day, you should have seen the look on her face. You should have seen the smile that she got as she looked at that card, as she read that card. It's just absolutely amazing. A few weeks ago, I got done preaching, and I went out front, and I was shaking hands, and all these kids from junior church come running out, and they all handed me get well cards. And I thought, I'm not sick, am I? (laughs) Every little kid walking by me hands me a get well card. And I, well, I was sick a few months ago, but I think I'm okay now. What do they know? And I said, I, I'm not sick. And the kids all said, they're not for you, idiot. <laughs> they're for the people you go to see. They're for the people you go visit. Take them a get well card. Yeah, I, I've been taking these with me. You wouldn't believe how much they brighten up people's day. Uh, you know, these, these kids are on people's refrigerators now. You know, they, they're loving it. And, and it's such a great way to serve and such a great little thing to do that it is so natural. We're not, we're not sending thank you cards to the teachers and to the people that work down at the school because they deserve it, although they do. And we are not doing it so that we get some kind of press release that says, Kansas Christian Church sends thank you cards to everyone who works down at the school. We're not doing it for those reasons. We're sending them because Christ calls us to do something. Jesus calls us to do something, to to serve somehow. And over and over again, what you people have shown me is that you know how to care, you know how to send cards. You know how to lick envelopes. (laughs) You know how to brighten someone's day. And so we're taking that little expression and we're doing that for teachers. As of today, we have 22 gift cards. We're sending thank you notes, thank you cards. which I think we got all the thank you cards we need. I think. I think. Um, And we've received 23 now, I think, gift cards. My encouragement was... Go to the BP, go up to the Junction, get a $25 thank you, or a gift card, stick that in the envelope, and we will give that to everybody down at the school. Everybody gets a, you know, they're taking an 8% salary cut for, uh, for our schools, for our community. It's just such a wonderful thing to do. And, you know, we, I don't want to make it a negative thing where we're complaining about how the school doesn't have any money and this and that. I, I want to honor them, and I want to just very least let them know that they are loved and they are thanked for that. I want to just simply say you're making a sacrifice for our community and we appreciate that. And So we're giving them thank you cards. We've received 22 gift cards already um, and you could either bring them here to the church uh, you could just, if you want to give us the money, we will go up and amaze Darren and Mary when we buy all these gift cards. Um, there are, we need about 16 more altogether. You know, there are teachers there. Um, there are teacher's aides there. There are cooks there who, who took, a, took a salary cut. There are janitors there who took a salary cut. There are bus drivers. And there are secretaries. We have every one of those people in our church. Every one of them, those people come from this body, or some of them come from this body. And it just, just all of a sudden struck me. Sorry, I'm just kind of having an epiphany right now where I realize not only are you thanking people, you are doing the jobs that need to be thanked. And and it just again amazes me at how we serve in this community. Wow. You know, we we get a chance to make such an impact on people's lives. But over and over again, you show me you care. And, and so we're giving you a chance to to do that. This is the simple act of of sending a card so that together, as we do this together, the body of Christ is built up so that we all grow up into Him who is the head, so that we all get to look like Jesus. And you know, somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, there will be a need that you will see. And maybe you're the only person that will see it. Maybe you're the only one who's going to notice that particular need. And instead of thinking, someone should do something about that, you're going to know what to do. Because... We did something together. You're going to know the difference that you can make through an encouraging word, through helping someone through a difficult time. You're going to know that you can bless somebody. You will know and you will serve. And in the middle of that need that they have, you will look like Jesus to that person. You will be a servant. We're going to uh, stand together and sing right now. And we're just going to make a commitment again to giving ourselves to, to Jesus, to, to letting Him turn us into the people that He needs us to be. Let's sing.